Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, this is the COB, brought to you by eToro. Invest in ASX shares with $0 commission. Hello and welcome to Friday afternoon. My name's Kyle Rodder and I'm of course with Daniela Couillet. This is the COB. Fantastic to have your company for this last day of the trading week. In fact, if anything, you can say it's already done and dusted because the market has closed and um, Danny, it's been a pretty yeah. positive end of the week. Yeah, it looks like the market is up almost probably 2% for the week and you've had gains from the materials, IT, property and energy stocks over the course of the week which is really quite um, impressive. And I was just checking out the ASX 200 in terms of the index level and uh, my screen is showing me around 7,363. So yeah, there you go. And today we've really had strength uh, across the board with the exception of healthcare and real estate, which were the laggards. An interesting dynamic indeed. But uh, well, we may as well get cracking into the three themes because there was one area of the market in particular that performed well and that was gold. So uh, we'll see if we can get that up there, just that graphic, just for three things. There we are, gold keeps glittering, Uh, gold stocks performing very well, but uh, perhaps underpinning this conversation uh, entirely, as well as you know some of the strengths in tech and other areas of the market is uh, this question, is it disinflation? We had US PPI data last night and uh, well, it came in negative actually and that seemed to stoke a bit of a rally. It did, but if you looked under the hood, you would see that the energy prices were off 6.4%. So that 0.5% fall that we saw in the PPI, which the markets really, really liked compared to the 0% change that they're expecting, really it's all energy prices and uh, of course, We've still got a lot of geopolitics going on, don't we, with OPEC wanting to keep the oil price higher, the US having to fill up those reserves um, that they emptied. So I guess everybody, while the market was really excited, some of the economists are probably a little bit more cautious about really whether the PPI is going to continue to fall. But nevertheless, it put a rocket, didn't it, under the gold price, probably overemphasizing it just a little bit, but the gold price continued to move higher. And uh, that's very much the market saying that real interest rates are coming down. And typically that is when gold performs. And the gold stocks have literally been on uh, on fire, haven't they, here in Australia? Even in the US, they've been firmer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, up by around 3%, I think, today in aggregate. And it is an interesting point you make too on those energy prices. Uh, it was 12 months ago that uh, we had basically prices hit $140 a barrel, and that was just after the invasion of Ukraine Mm. uh, by Russia. So uh, maybe some of those effects will start to wear through the data now. We won't see such a uh, big and significant hit from energy uh, in in future figures. But uh, we may as well push on, and we will just take a very quick look at some of the major areas of the market uh, that we like to track. And tech was an area of the market that did reasonably well today. Uh, Block rebounding, we were talking about it yesterday, down 
uh, uh, for most of the week, but uh, bouncing back today, 2.25% higher. And uh, as you said, Danny, gold, and we'll get that up too. Uh, green right across the screen when it comes to the gold sector. And uh, still tech, but we'll see if we can get, there we go, uh, gold there. And Northern Star, 4.7%, yes, so very, very strong uh, across the board. Yeah, we might be just playing a little bit of catch up, I think, because everyone's been concentrating on some of the other miners. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely on a roll, to say the least. And I think some people are looking at the gold price being overbought at the moment. Um, but uh, I have read statistics to say that if we do go into that easing cycle, which is what the bond market has been indicating, then gold has more upside, maybe short term pullback, but longer time, uh, longer term still positive. And there we have the energy sector. Um, coal looking a little bit unloved today. Woodside, essentially more gas rather than oil, firmer. Uh, but again, a lot of experts are still positioning themselves in the energy sector uh, for longer term. So uh, I suppose we'll be determined very much where the oil and the gas prices go, won't we, going forward? Yeah, without a doubt. And uh, well, we may as well get to the corporate news of the day because you did see Beach Energy selling off there. We'll get to that story in a second. But uh, first, Bank of Queensland, it flagged a goodwill write down of $200 million and flagged $60 million in additional costs for its risk program. It says it's doing so to strengthen its commitment to risk management, noting its CET1 ratio sits at 10.71% at the end of the first half. The bank will report on April 20th and is expecting an unaudited uh, cash uh, profit after tax of $256 million. It also said it expects to pay a dividend of 20 cents per share. It also says it's begun to uh, begin a work stream to simplify its operating model through delivering operational efficiencies. And uh, well, let's get to broker moves now. And uh, Danny, uh, we were talking about Beach Energy before. Yeah, Canaccord Genuity has lowered the Beach Energy price to $1.60 from $1.63, but retains a hold rating on the stock. It comes after Beach shares hit lowest uh, levels since early April as it reported a 5% decline in Q3 production to 4.5 million barrels of oil. Uh, equivalent missing estimates. Morningstar, however, sees no long-term impact from production, the production miss, miss from Beach Petroleum and maintains a fair value estimate at $3 a share. Morningstar, however, did lower its full year 23 output target. And I think we have also Evolution Mining. Canaccord Genuity expects June quarter gold production of 173,000 ounces for Evolution Mining, reflecting a 6% jump compared with the March quarter driven by high output at Red Lake. It says the company has adequate cash in full year 24 to cover major items, including CapEx, debt repayments and dividends, and reiterates its buy on the stock. Yes, and uh, last but not least, Ord Manette downgraded Ansel to hold from accumulate due to the recent price appreciation. The target, however, remains at $30 per share. And you can see Lottery Corporation there too, also uh, in the spotlight with a downgrade for what from Macquarie. But um, let's move on because we wanted to talk about the stock of the day and it was Technology One. We yeah. had uh, Mark Gardner from Macro Capital, as well as Philip Pepe from Shore and Partners. Here's what they had to say about Technology One. Technology company and growing, uh, coming out of COVID quite handsomely. It's hit near-term highs, probably for valid reasons, but I'm gonna call it a hold. Um, it's basically trading at or above analysts um, 
consensus valuations. It is forecast to grow quite handsomely over the next two years, circa 15% per annum. Uh, I think the recent share price rally is the market expecting an upgrade. But look, you cannot, you absolutely cannot fault it. You're going through their their report. Um, you know, every metric is is so bullish and justified. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's getting it's getting to the expensive area, but absolutely wouldn't uh, consider selling all of the holding. Um, so yeah, there'd just be a hold. I'd, I'd probably, from a client's standpoint, I'd probably run a bit of a trailing stop on a portion of the position um, from a practical standpoint. Um, so yeah, and look, that you know, their forward expect EPS expectations suggest that. That PE will drop back down to around about 40 over the next two years, um, which makes it, you know, which then makes it cheap again. So. Okay, so that was a double hold there, Danny. Yeah, I just had a little bit of information on Technology One for everyone. Uh, May 23rd, the company reports, and it's just worth noting that in the US, you've seen such a great performance out of those quality technology companies. Um, maybe Technology One, since it's at all-time highs, is being ascribed a similar view in terms of a quality company with recurring uh, SaaS revenues, and they are, well, we'll see whether this, with this half-yearly result, if if they are on target for their $500 million recurring revenues for full year 26. So one to put on the radar. Absolutely, earning season's just, well, a part of earning season. The uh, Those who report out of cycles, not too far away. So we're looking forward to that. But uh, rather than get too ahead of ourselves, of course, let's wrap up the week. And to do that, as always on a Friday, Shane Oliver from A&P Capital joins us now. Shane, great to have your company as always. Um, just has to be a very, uh, a, a, very simple question to start with. It would seem that market sentiment's reasonably buoyant, maybe some hopes that, of course, inflation is coming down across the globe. Look, I think it largely does come back to the inflation uh, uh, story. Uh, pretty good numbers out of the US on, on earlier in the week, and then the PPI coming down. Um, we're seeing ongoing evidence that jobless or job jobless claims are, are rising or in a rising trend. Um, so that suggests that the US labor market is cooling down. And I think all of these things are just adding to confidence that we're either at or close to the top in terms of what the Fed will do on rates and that hopefully, therefore, it, it won't go so far as to trigger a, a recession. That said, the, the risk of recession is still rising. And you can see that in the inversion in yield curves, which is continuing. Um, but I think for now, the market is just feeling more comfortable that uh, inflation is coming under control. Um, and it's it's not just a US story. We saw the Indian inflation at a 15-month low, um, low numbers coming out of China, Hungary, um, uh, PPI in Japan was on the low side. So all of those things, I think, are helping the market. But as you can see in that chart there, the inversion of yield curves, and that is for the US, um, is still warning of potential risk of recession going forward. It does sometimes give small signals, um, but uh, historically, uh, when you get a yield curve inversion this deep, um, it, it has often been followed by a recession. Interestingly, one of the aspects of the yield curve that the Fed in the past has looked at quite closely, and that's shorter-dated yield curve gaps. That's the gap that they tend to look at a, a six-quarter um, bond yield, less the uh, T-bill rate. Um, I, I was on that chart there looking at the two-year bond yield, less the Fed funds rate, whichever way you cut it, it's inverted. Um, so even though the Fed, I think a year ago, was not too concerned about yield curve inversions, um, they'd have to be more concerned about it right now. 
Yeah, and it's interesting, Shane, because you've had quite a few of the central banks or the head of the head banks of countries, like Singapore has gone into a pause, I believe, uh, today. They had poor growth figures that came out. Uh, Canada, uh, Bank of Korea. So there is a move. What are you looking for in terms of the Fed for the May meeting? Well, that's an interesting one. I mean, our, our base case is that they might go again or probably go again, but I'd have to say it's a very close call. Uh, when I last looked, something like 13 basis points of a 25 basis point hike had been priced in by the market. So the money market itself is having an each way bet. And when you run through the economic data, it's been literally all over the place in terms of what signals for the Fed. Uh, the, the core inflation numbers uh, the CPI numbers that came out earlier in the week stuck at 5.6% for the core. I mean, that would argue in favour of um, another move. Um, Fed commentary from Fed speakers would likewise point in that direction. Uh, but by the same token, when you're looking at the payroll numbers, we are seeing a declining share of US industries reporting gains in payrolls, which is quite interesting, even though the headline number was still quite solid. Wages growth looks to have slowed. Uh, we're seeing a rising trend in jobless claims, job offers uh, slowing down. Um, so there's a lot of data coming out suggesting that, you know, the Fed has done enough. And at the same time, we saw from the minutes earlier in the week, uh, Fed staff now forecasting a mild recession later this year. So all of those things would suggest, well, maybe they should have a pause. So I must admit, I'm a bit on the fence on this one. I reckon it's a really close call. If I was pushed one way or the other, I'd say, yeah, one more hike. Um, but I, I, I do think May is going to be a close call and obviously data in the next few weeks because this is still way to go before we get there. Um, data in the next few weeks would blow that in, in, in either direction. Uh, on that sort of uh, point, maybe turning somewhat as well to, to earnings season coming up in the United States, which will naturally be crucial, is that you mentioned the, uh, the R word as we're referring it to this week. Um, you know, the, the, the Fed members themselves didn't speak of recession, but of course it was in their sort of economic liaisons or whatever you wish to call them that, uh, that, uh, that, that the warning was um, perhaps given that the, uh, the US economy could head to a, to a mild recession. Uh, despite all that, the softer yeah. CPI as well, expectations rates could potentially remain higher for longer. Equities are rallying and we're going into an earnings season that may see earnings contract. I mean, is there a way that we can kind of square that circle uh, to, 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 say, uh, to say the least? Because it would seem that the bad news is good news narrative is is still supporting equity prices. <laughs> That's right. And if you get good news on earnings, it, it might be interpreted as bad news in terms of what the Fed does. Mm. Um, so I guess it remains to be seen on that front. We have seen a, a bigger than normal downgrade to March quarter earnings expectations over the last couple of months. Uh, we, we have seen, well, it looks like the US economy is still growing. Uh, we've seen a decline in the value of the US dollar. So some of those things would suggest that market expectations for a 6% decline uh, year on year in US earnings for the 12 months to the March quarter might turn out to be too negative. In other words, we could see, um, again, some upside surprise to earnings outcomes as they as they unfold. Um, so my inclination would be to think they might come in a little bit better than the market's currently fearing. If that's the case, then it would probably be seen overall as supportive of the equity market, even though you could run a good news is bad news narrative on that front. But I, I think if if the earnings numbers are sort of okay-ish, a uh, 6% fall year on year would imply a flat outcome 
in the quarter itself because the previous quarters did actually have a fall in sequentially in the quarters um, so a flat outcome or a slight positive outcome in the quarter itself could be interpreted by the market as you know an, an okay sort of result particularly if we're coming into an environment where um, interest rate pressure will start to diminish yeah, and maybe we should shift home to Australia and uh, have your views changed at all around those employment figures that came out in terms of what the RBA might look to do next? Look, not not really. Um, I mean, the numbers themselves were stronger than we were expecting. We were expecting something like a 20,000 gain in employment and a, a rise in unemployment to 3.6%. Obviously, the numbers were stronger than that, 53,000 new jobs unemployment uh, staying at 3.5%. So you'd put that in the camp of indicators arguing for another rate hike. I I guess the flip side to it to me is that the labour market is a lagging indicator. Mm. Um, At least the labour market is not getting any stronger. We are seeing um, uh, job vacancy numbers in decline. I think from the ABS, they've now fallen for three quarters in Mm. a row. Uh, The Indeed Job Offers Index is well off its highs. Um, and in the meantime, we're seeing other indicators of slowing demand in the economy and um, easing inflation pressures, um, much like we're seeing in the US uh, with last week's or the week before um, CPI, monthly CPI numbers. So I think all of these things suggest that the RBA should be on hold at their May meeting, um, but it's going to be a pretty close call. And there is a lot riding on the CPI numbers that come out in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, if they come out on the high side and don't confirm strongly enough, the the message from the monthly number that inflation is coming down, then obviously that would concern the Reserve Bank and they could go again. My feeling though would be that if they do do that, then, then they are making a mistake. They would risk making a policy mistake because inflation and the jobs market are both known to be lagging indicators of the state of the economy. And um, uh, therefore paying too much attention to them in, in driving interest rates would run the risks that they end up over tightening. Um, and as you were pointing out earlier, Danny, you know, you are seeing a lot of central banks around the world sort of going into pause mode. Um, they, they've all reached what you might call a restrictive policy and they're seeing signs of things cooling down um, and therefore feel that they've got scope to pause. And I, and I think, yeah, the RBA just needs to give it a bit more time rather than just wait one month before they're starting to raise interest rates again. But yeah, I have to say the risks are there. And with the property market hiding up as well, uh, it's another risk in there that the RBA might start to worry. Well, if house prices start, start going up again, then you remove the negative wealth channel, negative wealth transmission channel for monetary policy in terms of the way it impacts the economy. So um, that, that risk is certainly there on the upside for rates, but my, I think the more sensible outcome would be for the Reserve Bank to wait a bit longer. Shane, uh, may as well leave it there because it's a great note to leave it on. Um, but uh, we really appreciate your time as always, and we hope you have a wonderful weekend. Dr. Shane Oliver from AMP Capital there. Thank you. Okay, well, let's uh, look a little bit on what's coming up overnight because, yeah. well, we do have some relevant information to, to sort of digest, both from a macro and micro point of view. Uh, US retail sales expected to contract over the course of the months, but uh, I think the big story could come out of earnings tonight. Yeah, absolutely. So the large banks, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, City Group, uh, and also I think you said Republic Bank, one of the smaller ones, yes. might be reporting. But um, these banks will hopefully give us a better indication of how the US economy is performing. Um, Of course, whilst that is really important, a lot of people will actually be looking at 
um, the outlook and if they provide any colour there in terms of what the outlook is. What's going on in the credit markets? Are they seeing a tightening there? And uh, yeah, I mean, it could turn out to be a complete fizzler, but I think very much everybody is looking to see what the fallout is after the March um, banking issues that the US had. Uh, United Healthcare is also reporting overnight, so that's a big one for the Dow, just worth noting. And then we have up on our screen um, a number of large companies reporting over the course of next week. Yeah, and uh, a few retail favourites there too. Netflix, a bit of a barometer for consumer behaviour. We were sort of joking at last quarter that uh, we've gotten to the point now we have to choose between Amazon Prime or or Netflix. We can't have both. It's just (laughs) some of those challenges you run into uh, when you live uh, live, uh, a tough life like uh, like I do. Um, But here we go. That's uh, the other uh, macroeconomic data coming out next week. China GDP, as long as with the, the other sort of elements of the data dump, so to speak, that uh, will be released. But uh, RBA minutes off a little bit of color on its last mm-hmm. decision and then some uh, global PMIs we already mentioned. US earnings there as yeah. well. And I'm just quickly going to add that there are a few companies reporting next week. Um, we've got Brambles, Challenger, quarterly report from Evolution, Iris has an investor day, quarterly production from Rio, Santos, oh gosh, BHP, Woodside, oh, gosh. Um, and a few stocks going ex-dividend as well. So um, yeah, some more, more news to be coming to the market. And let's just do uh, the leaders and guys now. Having a look first at the leaders quite naturally. And there oh, is a gold, lot gold, of... Gold, gold, yeah. Lithium, lithium. <laughs> Absolutely. You can see it on your screen. Up uh, 6% IGO. Um, Silver Lake Resources, uh, another one up by 6.18%. As I mentioned before, uh, quite naturally, um, the All Ordinaries uh, Gold uh, Sub-Index up by about 3%. Mm. I'm not too sure in terms of uh, how high it is for the year, but at different stages, especially around that bank crisis, was up. 11, 12%. So I dare say it's at least double digit gains for, for that uh, gold portion of por- your portfolio. There's some people that just uh, only have gold in, in their portfolio, of course, um, would be doing very, very well for themselves. Orchem in there too. A yeah. lot of chatter in the re- in recent days about sort of bullishness in, in that company in particular, perhaps being the, the potential winner out of all, yes. or, uh, the yes. biggest winner, I should say, out of all uh, Aussie lithium stocks. And I think uh, I'm just, my memory is failing me, which is terrible, but it has, um, it's not graphic. It, it's got something um, else. I don't know if you can remember, which makes no. its 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 sweet, its offering um, more attractive. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And Pilbara Minerals back in favour. Energy Lottery Corporation. I think there was a downgrade there mm-hmm. from one of the brokers today. Yep. Uh, Paul Magellan still not finding any love, continuing to fall. And uh, Helios, I'm not sure what's going on there, but that's also off about 4% today. Yeah, and we did say that uh, it was sort of, I guess, a bit of energy, it was a bit of healthcare, a little bit of real estate as well that were coming under pressure uh, today. And, you know, sort of fascinating enough because, you know, we talk obviously about uh, interest rate dynamics and what was happening along into the yield curve and how that supported some areas of the market. And typically, you know, real estate and some other um, areas of, of uh, the ASX 300 might benefit when, when those rates come down. But, you know, it's a more nuanced story, I mm. guess, uh, 
uh, at the moment, especially when it comes to real estate. There's a lot of uncertainty around there. Healthcare is interesting, but it has run up reasonably strongly uh, at different stages of, of this week as well. So it could be an element of wi- uh, 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 swings and roundabouts when it comes to, to those names. And uh, it's hard to go past Magellan, of course, as being potentially one that, uh, well, investors are, are carrying the bag on, a, on, a, on an underperforming company there, one that has uh, experienced a lot of pain recently, um, quite, uh, quite naturally. But uh, before, oh, there we go. We've got uh, just some of the small caps that we want to run through now. Um, let you run your eyes over that yourself. Uh, 28% gain for, for, for Mindex. Um, let's go to the laggards there. For Medical, which has been on quite mm. a run as well. So that was up strongly today. Yes, um, and here are the laggards here. Uh, no Jevois Global, which I actually would, had hoped would be <laughs> on this list, only because I actually Googled what they do today. Uh, and they are also in uh, battery minerals. And their whole, I suppose, point of difference is, I guess, uh, a more ethical and clean way oh, of mining those. Right. So I was like, you know what? That's right up my strata. So I might right. keep an eye on that one in future. Maybe it was a sign. Maybe it was a sign from the, uh, the investing guys. I'm not too sure. But uh, would be remiss if we didn't have a bit of a discussion before we go uh, about the view you today. Yes, yes. Uh, you provided another cracker. Tell us, take us through it. Well, I hope everybody enjoys it because I have to get up extra, extra early, <laughs> six o'clock for a webcast with David Rosenberg, uh, known as Econ Guy on Twitter. And uh, look, he had some luminaries from the Merrill Lynch days, including the famous Bob Farrell. And if you don't know who Bob Farrell is, please Google him. Um, I literally, you could hear a pin drop on the web, webcast and um, everybody was, um, well, I think Rosenberg is probably about 60 and then there was another guy around mid fifties and then there were the older gentlemen there. Between them, there was, you know, 200 years of, exp- you know, literally probably 200 years of experience in stock markets. But look, I, um, I, I, I basically jumped on the chance to summarize what Bob Farrell was saying about the markets. Really clear, this is not advice, but he is one of the legends. Um, His 10 investing rules and guides is really worth reading over. And I think he had some really interesting stuff to say about the US share market. So that's in the view today. And of course, if you'd like to read it, you have to subscribe to the newsletter. Absolutely. There's about, I'd say, what, 35 years of experience on this desk, unfortunately, Almost all of it is Danny. So oh, unfortunately, whoops, don't say that. Everybody will know my age. <laughs> your experience, your experience, uh, and uh, certainly my lack of lack thereof. But uh, I, I, I digress, and I, I, I joke, of course. But uh, well, Danny, we may as well wrap it up there for a, another week. Uh, remember, folks, uh, you can catch up on all the latest views and news on our website and app. Uh, until Monday morning, make sure you have a great weekend. Bye. The COB is brought to you by eToro. Invest in ASX shares with $0 commission. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.